0: Hey, we're back for the second episode. And Tim has his mic in his mouth. It's a sock. Like a dirty wow, piece. you use some good detergent. <laughs> <laughs> you tell by the taste?
1: Yeah, I really can. Or fabric softener. Tastes like I just ate a downy candy bar.
0: I don't spell it. <laughs>
1: no, that's Pillsbury. I'm trying to think of the Snuggle Bear and... Uh,
0: hate that snuggle bear.
1: Why is it that I hate the snuggle bear?
0: Oh god, I hate the snuggle bear. Why though? I don't uh, I don't I don't know what it is about it. I just hate that snuggle bear.
1: Now, do you think because marketing is definitely it, you know directed towards a demographic and you've got uh-huh. um you know the, the middle-aged women who are buying the laundry detergent, that's who that is marketed toward. Why do we hate it? And do they love it? I'd love to ask your mother and my mother if they love the the, the Downy Bear. <laughs> I don't think my is mom it would Downing? say she loves it. Or Snuggles. Snuggle? Snuggle the... Is it like Snuggle Laundry Detergent?
0: Sure. I don't
1: know. No, I don't really remember.
0: I have no idea. I've never purchased it.
1: So, well, in any event, um, last night we went and saw a District 9 screener. And so we got to sit... They confiscated our cell phones to begin. My guess on that is because of the iPhone 3GS being able to capture video. I don't know if it's formatted to capture widescreen video, but I know the iPhone camera is formatted to capture widescreen photos, like it's the shape of the screen, more or less. So if the video can do that, then what would stop people from just popping their iPhone 3GS up and recording the whole thing and then posting it to YouTube from the theater? But it's
0: not only the 3GS. I mean, other phones have... Video recording, yes. Capabilities. I
1: agree with that, but I, I don't know of any other phone that has the capability good enough Plus, to actually pirate and bootleg around. Yeah, it would look like blurry and small.
0: You know, I I kind of wish they would do that at all theaters. Just take everyone's phone before everyone went in. Then. Yeah,
1: that's a good point. Then you don't have the uh, um, the jack and ape who's texting his girlfriend. Yeah, during the movie,
0: that doesn't stop people from talking. Just. You won't see screens flashing everywhere, though. Yeah.
1: What if we instituted a military rule in theaters <laughs> and made it severe? Like, if you're not behaved, they'll bruise you and, like, beat <laughs> you like a refugee.
0: I've thought before of having, like, um, theaters where it had strict rules and they were, like, well printed and everyone could see them that said, you know, no talking. And they had, like, maybe micro- a microphone for each seat or cameras in the theater so they could see the people wow yeah like really high tech and like if you were caught talking then you're you're removed from the theater you know
1: what's interesting to me about that is that i think that just because you had that you would have a crowd of people who wouldn't wouldn't what well they wouldn't talk and things because well i guess you're always going to have people who want to be rebellious on purpose but if i knew that there was a place and it was no extra charge, and they're playing the same movies, but I knew that there was a place that was going to watch my behavior, I would actually go there on purpose because I consider myself a well-behaved movie patron. And for me, I would think, well, I'm going to go there because I know there's going to be less talking.
0: Well, that's what I'm saying.
1: Right. Well, what I'm saying is that um, the people who – well, of course, that stands to reason. It sounds silly what I just said, but what I'm implying is if I was a person who – didn't really care for the old, uh, like, people filming my behavior and stuff. I'd be like, man, whatever. I should be able to be as loud as I want. I would probably avoid that theater.
0: Well, that's good.
1: Yeah. I think I just said exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that was ridiculous. I uh, I just said. So we're
0: on the same page then, basically? <laughs> yeah. Okay.
1: But if you just think about what I just said, it would be the equivalent of saying, you know, and if there were speed limits posted, <laughs> Then and make it clear and say we had a, an entire force, a police force of road troopers <laughs> that would stop people from speeding. Well, I would go the speed limit, <laughs> right? So, um, well, but anyway, we went last night. Uh, last night was a screener of District 9, and we had a really cool opportunity to go and see that. They confiscated our phones, um, which was cool because I think it was uh it was neat to sit and and talk mm. instead of like fiddling around with our phones, but I was joking yeah. with my girlfriend saying that you Jason, are the only person that I know of you and I I think use our phone so much that we can use our phone and still carry on perfectly good conversations yeah and uh but a lot of people think that's rude, so I'm you know the the convention is that I put my phone away when I'm talking to people, but with you, I don't, <laughs> so um, that's fine. Well, so, District 9 started, and um, it was, uh, I haven't seen a film quite like that. What do you have to say about this movie? You went, I didn't know anything about it. Did you know anything
0: about it? I did not. Well, I mean, I knew, um, I mean, I knew there were aliens on the planet that were stuck here. I think that's probably all I knew.
1: Yeah, I mean me too. I knew what they looked like and I think that that was a smart move to show them in the trailer and yeah. not try to make that the cryptic part. Um
0: I had an idea of what they looked like. I didn't know exactly fully what they looked like.
1: I guess their faces cuz I mean I they
0: did show the close up of that one that was like being interviewed. Right. So you had a kind of an impression of what its face looked like, but I did I don't think I knew like full body what it right. the whole thing looked like.
1: Yeah. Um so what did you think of it? When it was finished, when it was done, the credits began to roll. I mean, what would, what would you say? How did it make you feel? What did you enjoy about it? What did you not enjoy about it? How did you feel about this movie?
0: You're asking me? I'm asking you. I thought it was amazing. Yeah? So we're allowed to talk about it now? Yeah. Oh, my God, Tim, it was so awesome. <laughs> what Jason's
1: referring to is that sometimes I will put a bar on us talking about stuff because I want the first time that we've talked about it to be on the show. Uh, so that the conversation is fresh and new. It's almost like the first take. If you're a musician, you know sometimes when you're recording, that first take sometimes just has this bottled lightning that's hard to rehearse a second time and, you know, catch that same energy. So, yes, we are allowed to talk about it now.
0: Hooray! (laughs) Um, So so what? What did you think? How are you feeling when you are walking out of the theater? I felt great. I thought it was amazing. I was reading a... um, I read a few reviews today about it from different sites, but uh, when I was reading, he was saying it gave him the same feeling as like a Jurassic park kind of movie. Yeah. You know, a big kind of big budget summer film, right? That there's no part in it that is, um, not entertaining. And I, I I would agree with that. It, It did. It gave me the same kind of feeling as Jurassic park or, you know, a similar movie like that.
1: Right, where there was no fat on it. I felt the same way. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, this, and we haven't said it uh, verbally yet, but I'll post it when we post this section. This is actually a separate mini-episode where we're going to review uh, District 9 with spoilers. This is actually chock full of spoilers we're going to be talking about. Um, well, we you know, we're going to be talking about everything about the movie. So if you haven't seen it yet, you should uh, switch off this episode now. Uh, listen to the other show that we're going to be posting uh, or is already posted and then come back to this after you've seen district 9 and um you know see if you agree with us but um yeah i would say that as far as just leaving the theater i don't know i just felt like um i felt like it didn't push me in any one direction it felt very natural like it wasn't trying to make me feel over emotional mm-hmm. or punch me in the face with some kind of a huge political um agenda but at the same time all those overtones were there but i didn't feel like it took me out of the movie like a movie that was like wagging its finger at the end going be careful how you treat indigenous peoples who are refugees or you know whatever yeah yeah i just felt like from the beginning just from the first portions of it and and the blend of how it was a documentary to start with and then it seamlessly became a narrative yeah it seamlessly did that it was both together to me And you could tell sometimes it would switch cameras and things like that. But Mm -hmm. I think they did it so seamlessly that it didn't take me out of the movie at all. Mm -hmm. I just thought it was um, a very good use of separate types of camera. You've got the security camera. You've got the work cubicle camera and that kind of stuff. And they spliced it all together. Mm -hmm. And then the way they set up the beginning with the, um, the office workers being interviewed, I loved that they had what I thought would be a real person's... View on if a coworker had something like that happen. Mm -hmm. None of them really knew exactly what happened. Yeah, some of them had differing opinions. Some of them were like, "Yeah, he's a you know, yeah." We some people say he betrayed us, but others say you know, and that's I think how it would be if that happened. Right. So I I really thought that that was extremely seamless, and it sucked me in from the first frame, Mm -hmm. and just the time went by, and before I knew it, the movie was over.
0: There was not a boring scene in it. Everything was really interesting. That <laughs> was funny that you yawned while you said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not watching it right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's very true. Um, I would use the word, there are two words that I would use, and I, I'm trying to say this without any kind of um, exaggeration. But like in, in the true instance of the word, I would say that the movie was remarkable. Yep. It was a remarkable film, and I also think that um, it was ingenious. And and so those are two words that I would use, but I I don't want it to sound like this emotion filled. Like it was remarkable, it was ingenious. I just felt like um, ingenious in in so many aspects. Um, one of the aspects was the acting. How did you feel about the acting in the movie?
0: I thought it was great. It was right? Fine. Yeah.
1: It was superb to me. I just thought yeah. that the um, just the performances and the delivery. It was just very realistic. Mm-hmm. It, it, at no time did I think oh, that's an actor acting. In, in in true fact, I seriously felt like this could have happened. Right. And the people I was watching, I thought, wow. Um, part of what lent to that, I think, was the setting. Mm-hmm. Setting it in Johannesburg, South Africa, giving them a an almost difficult to place accent and dialect that made it seem a little more real to me using almost all unknowns in this unknown place. I mean, what was the last invasion movie you saw that didn't take place in LA or New York or Washington DC?
0: Yeah, that's, and that's what they were saying at the beginning. It was like, um, they're saying that the, the mothership didn't stop over big cities like Chicago or, or, you know, New York or wherever you would think a ship like that would stop. It stopped, you know, right in Africa.
1: Yeah. And as a, um, As a writing term, they call that hanging a lantern on it or putting a lampshade on it. And what that means is you're telling the audience, hey, we realize what we did here, and you're agreeing that they, you know, and and a lot of times they'll do it as an, like, if if a writer is um, doing something that he thinks people are going to call him out on, he'll have the characters mention it before the reader can mention it. Mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So it's like, hey, wait, wouldn't he just go left? Well, he'll have one of the guards go, well, we understand that you'd normally just go left. However, you know, it's more of a joke. But yeah. in this, I thought they did a good job of hanging a lantern on it, bringing attention to it um, in a very real way, just kind of saying, hey, by the way, did you realize that the aliens didn't land over Chicago or New York? Yeah. And they had that done through a a, a person who was
0: uh, like a newscaster or something Mm -hmm. yeah so
1: i thought that was kind of cool too
0: talking about um the uh how you never got the sense that you were watching actors it all seemed real yeah i felt the same way about the cg like i never once thought i was looking at cg yeah creatures or anything it all just looked real it all looked fine yeah you make a
1: very good point and uh, did you read... I did read this. Did you read what the budget was on this movie?
0: It was like $30 million.
1: $30 million. Yeah. That's a fraction of what most movies are made for. And I this think, felt uh, like it was made <laughs> for a lot more. Special effects are getting cheaper,
0: maybe. Computer effects?
1: That's possible. I don't know how much they cost, but I think that... I think I'm I'm going to just ignorantly go out on a limb and say that I think it all has to do with sharp directing and and a sense of wanting to tell a story and using the effects to tell the story Mm -hmm. versus setting up a piece to have effects. Yeah, Um, I recently saw G.I. Joe. Uh, No spoilers. (laughs) If you've seen the commercial, it's truly... It's fun. You know, go and see it with your kids, and if you have a little extra cash, it's definitely worth seeing. See District 9 before you see G.I. Joe, I would say. But (laughs) a lot of CG in that movie for the sake of CG... Because they wanted it to look cool, you know, like yeah. shots that in this film in District Nine they use CG, like it just I think to tell that story the best. In other words, if there's a if there's a scene where they're trying to convey a specific point, they used actors and and dialogue and situations, and then if they needed to show someone being exploded by a lightning gun, they would. Mm-hmm. But before that it was so in other words i don't think that they drew attention to the cg yeah i think that was part of it and right. in not drawing attention to it it wasn't like all right now here comes the big cg shot we better make it good so <laughs> spend a lot of money boys you know
0: about uh people getting blown up by lightning guns and stuff like that they did show it but it's almost like they didn't show it because it was so quick yeah and they exploded so fast it's like it's almost like they just disappeared like you didn't actually see someone blow up it's just like they vanished almost right i mean you saw blood and stuff splatter but
1: yeah well do you think that that is because i thought that that was so awesome yeah and it was so much cooler to me than watching people being shot by huge energy balls what do you mean? Like, if they would have made the alien guns... Like, both times that I saw the weapons fire tremendously... Yeah. ...were the, the first time was in the... Um, well, not the first time, but one of the times is when um, Vicker is the main character. He's in the portion of District 9 that is run by the uh, the Nigerians, mm-hmm. I think it is. Mm-hmm. And he picks up one of the weapons with his alien arm and fires it. And it looks more like a concussion cannon. Mm -hmm. it wasn't bullets just kind of shoots a force wave and knocks people i thought that was cool i thought it wasn't just bullets or like a green energy ball with Mm -hmm. people flying backwards going ah you know it was this really cool effect right and i don't mean special effect i mean the weapon itself produced a really cool effect on the environment Mm -hmm. and i felt the same way with the lightning gun it wasn't just like like even transformers when they're shooting it's like you know it looks like a fireball like a bunch of you know, projectiles going back and forth. Whereas this the erratic nature of the lightning and how it kinda was heat seeking on its targets and then when they would just explode, mm-hmm. I just wanted to see that over and over
0: again. <laughs> <laughs> um that whole part when they uh wrote him and the alien were like infiltrating that the special uh Yeah 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 organization building I can't remember
1: what it was called. MNU, I think. Multinational United or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it.
0: Um that whole sequence was like so much like a video game i agree it felt like half-life 2 exactly yeah and so it got me thinking like if they did a half-life vid- or movie like this in this style yeah it'd be perfect it would actually when he or halo half-life or halo or halo i think halo would work good too like that because i <laughs> half-life uh definitely though i mean it's so much of it seemed like half-life to me
1: there was a section where he tells the alien he's like wait and there's like a um uh like a a door that uh, Vickers has to push a keypad on and then the alien follows him in. Yeah. From that point on when they go through and shoot the guards and jump over the counter, I thought in my head, this is like Half-Life 2. Yeah, and then yeah. there's like gun counters and the yeah. way the guards looked and everything. And uh, I was so
0: excited with that part. It was amazing. It
1: was really really cool. Mm. And um you know, it was it was interesting to me that the way that the aliens came to Earth after all the movies we've seen and after everything that we have um but i thought that this really lent to just doing something fresh doing something different and a little more on the realistic side mm-hmm. was they didn't arrive and have a grandiose meeting with the president they didn't ask to take us to our leader they arrived like real refugees mm-hmm. which is hungry sick tired and it you know just having that set the stage it made it i think much more ripe for conflict because now they're not trying to take over. They're just like, hey, we need a place to stay. Mm-hmm. Where do you put them? And then it starts a slum, which is District 9. And then it's like, I just think that that was a fantastic way to introduce an alien race to our culture that I haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. You know, and I like that they decided to do that instead of the, they show up as a war fleet and teleport down. And, yeah. You know, I like that.
0: So um, the movie is, is supposed to be like realistic, you know? Yeah, very much but it I mean it, it seems like that and it doesn't do you know what I mean well go it, I ex, don't know. expound <laughs> it like it seems realistic but it still seems like like fantasy like fanciful kind of
1: right I, I think know I know, I know what I can you're talking about. right well I think I get the same sensation and the way that I would describe it is the elements of sorting out a refugee camp, the elements of trying to get people evicted from a place, the elements of the refugee and all that angle, the elements of racism and violence against a different race. I think all that stuff was really grounded. Mm -hmm. But then the elements of a good science fiction story, a main character who has to go through this incredible change and journey and sacrifice self and grow and change from what he starts at was also present. So... I think that the fantastic elements of story, that serendipity of when Vickers goes back to the camp, he is, um, he goes, he, it just so happens that he's near the, uh, the, the shack that Christopher's staying in. Yeah. That's a story. I mean, the chances of that happening, cause he stumbles in there afraid, Right. Yeah. the chances of that happening, that's the fantastic, mm-hmm. that serendipity that you're like, oh, I believe that I want that to happen. You didn't want him to stumble in some strange shack. Mm-hmm. Because the, that's not where the conflict was. It's not where the story was. And the the aliens wanting to get home to their mothership. And you know all that stuff. It's like, that's the fantastic element. And if you took out all of that beginning footage of the troops gearing up and the documentary stuff, the movie could still work. But it wouldn't be as realistic. And it wouldn't have nearly as much character depth. Mm-hmm. So I think all the documentary, like true apartheid and like racism and stuff like that. Cause it's no, it's, it's no mistake that this was referencing some things that happened in South Africa. I mean, it, it, I was even reading earlier and the, um, the director of the film, um, his name escapes me actually, but it says, uh, something blonde Blom camp, mm-hmm. but he grew up in South Africa during apartheid. Hmm. And so, like, there were refugee camps in Sudan, and there were just things, like, in the mid-80s and things like that that he was, he grew up around, and so I think those elements were very real. Mm -hmm. I think that's the realism, that how do you treat a refugee who's living in your land and you want to leave, and, you know, the government agency coming in, and the ridiculous idea that you're going to evict a million and a half people. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's like, and you know people are going to die, and... But I think that the fantastic elements were father and son alien, mothership hovering overhead, need the fuel source, Mm -hmm. crazy weapons, mutations, DNA, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. So,
0: Uh, Maybe I missed it, but did they ever say why the aliens had human names? Like the one's name was Christopher?
1: Honestly, I think that that just shows how we would treat something that we had to deal with
0: we're like, did we label them or they I'm, were able to choose a human name
1: based on the way that the story played out and they were in a concentration mm-hmm. camp and couldn't leave and all that stuff. I don't believe that they said one or the other. I choose to believe that we gave them those names. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, that's how I think. It's like, okay, you have a million, like, uh, prawns, as they called them, which I loved that they had the racist <laughs> name of prawn. Yeah. they You have that and they just probably lined them up. Here's yours, here's your, you know, here's your name, here's your name, here's your name, here's your name, name, this is Mm -hmm. your official name. You know, that's that's how they keep them track. Yeah, yeah. You know, keep track of them, keep them on the grid, make sure they're not having kids. Right. So, but... uh, Because it was an immigration story. It was a story about immigrants. Mm -hmm. It was a story about that. But I loved that it was a good sci-fi story. I loved that it was a good... Action story. It had a good, sharp, tight action sequences. But they weren't huge action. It was like very um, domesticated action. Like it was very close. Very, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. It's like anything that happened happened in a very small area mm-hmm. and very condensed. And I loved that throughout the the media didn't automatically know exactly what was going on, like in most movies. Mm-hmm. If you see like we're here, we're in the grit, we're in the dirt, we're seeing bloodshed, we're seeing all these things happen, the media comes and says there's been gunshots in district 9, they don't know. Yeah. And most times the media conveniently knows more than they should in mm-hmm. movies and it's like Yeah, yeah. They have found Vickers and it looks <laughs> like the, you know, Nigerian leader is having a firefight with the <laughs> secret military ops team and it's like how do you know all that? <laughs> so I like that the media was it was just speculating yeah yeah you know i also loved the shots full screen of what looked like news broadcast with real subtitle bars yeah yeah and i was like that's what it would look like mm-hmm. and the footage looked like real footage to me whatever they shot it with however they did that it looked like the spaceship was really leaving yeah and i thought that was great so yeah that was really neat to me so overall just to kind of wrap up the the film is i believe is an a um you know on a scale from a through f f being fail and uh I would say that it's definitely um it's it's one that you shouldn't miss um if it's something that's in your budget I would go see that it is definitely gonna um it's going to entertain you it'll also make you feel i believe and it will also make you think um, the cGI uh it was seamless the like the like jason was saying before the believability of the effects is uh it's fantastic and that really helps you to stay immersed in that world that they've built for you to uh just you know run through with the main character um cinematography very sharp editing very sharp all very seamless and you know in a way this almost feels like i wanted terminator salvation to feel like I saw that and it was that that was just so distanced and it was the it was very much the opposite of everything we're talking about here as far as emotion, character, story. Mm-hmm. Um that movie in itself was very robotic. And this mm-hmm. almost like how you said it felt like a Jurassic Park to you. Yeah. This felt like it made me feel when I saw Terminator two. Where it's this own... That is
0: actually another uh, movie that he mentioned, Terminator 2. Really? There
1: you go. And so to me, I'm like, it's just, that's what I wish Terminator was. This self-contained new story. Not trying to draw from the old, you know, Terminator Salvation. Um, But anyway, definitely see this movie. Um, I would give it an A. And it's impressive. Just if you know um, uh, a little bit about movie budgets, $30 million is, is a moderate budget. And so check it out. It's District 9 um did you want to say anything else about the film
0: yes uh well i was just going to ask do you think that they will do a sequel or if a sequel would even work or would you want a sequel i
1: wouldn't yeah want a sequel because this is one of those unconventional hollywood endings where it's not necessarily every loose end tied up but There's a part of me that doesn't want a sequel because I don't know that it would be as magical the second time through knowing what I know. Yeah. And if you could recreate that sense of wonder without trying to totally flip the script. Because Christopher said he'd be back in three years. He did. But I like that, and that reminds me of 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 a classic science fiction story. Not one in particular, but it's an element of a science fiction story to me. It's that it gives you an ending that, is more realistic in the sense that things don't happen immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved that. And that's referenced when um, Christopher is talking to Vicar and he says, It's going to take me about three years to get you back to normal. Yeah, It's not this magic medical device yeah. where he goes in there and by a wave of the wand, he's automatically uh-huh. human again. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved that. I love that things come at a cost and this movie showed that things come at a cost. And, um, you know, I, I personally wouldn't want to see a sequel unless there was a really good story to tell. Mm-hmm. Um, what would come of it in your mind? Like, would you I want know. Vickers to be human again? Would you want, you know, is it possible? Would the aliens come and attack us? Would Like, what's the core story there, you know? Is this, mm, yeah. you know, just, just out of curiosity, because I think it's cooler in my mind to be thinking, oh man, that world is still going on without me. And right. and and the word that I've heard used to describe that is verisimilitude. It means that the world's going on without you. Hmm. Um, and I like that idea that right now Vickers is still in that trash yard making flowers for his wife. Yeah, you know, and it's like, wow. When the three years comes, I wonder what will happen. But mm-hmm. that that strange sense of hanging in the balance like that, and kind of being happy, but kind of it's like bittersweet. Yeah, it's strange. But I like that feeling in this case. Mm-hmm. I don't want the wrapped up, everything ties together, Hollywood ending. Right. You know, and I, I don't think that there's enough without totally going in a different direction with another story
0: to come back and do a sequel. Mm-hmm.
1: You know, what do you think about that?
0: When I was younger, um, I used to always want sequels and I loved them. But, you know, as I'm getting older, more and more sequels are kind of coming out and they're just not as good as the original yeah and so i kind of like just self contained stories just one movie and that's it yeah now so i don't think i'd want a sequel for it and also um i haven't seen i don't know but i haven't seen any uh action figures or merchandise or anything for this movie no have you no i haven't and I, i like that too because usually you see that stuff everywhere and yeah i like when there's a good movie like this where there's not all the, the merchandising for it. Yeah, because it shows... Because think... it's just... You, you see it everywhere so much, and you just it just, you get tired of it.
1: Yeah, because it shows that there's... And I understand movie houses. <laughs> I call them movie houses like we're in the 20s. Movie studios, <laughs> they, they're doing this to make money. They're not doing this to make good movies. Good movies can be made, mm-hmm. and we've seen that that can make money. We've also seen that good movies and it's a person to person opinion but what i would consider a good movie uh in some cases didn't make money like the movie Cinderella Man with Russell Crowe as mm-hmm. a boxer i thought it was a fantastic movie and uh they no one went and saw it for some reason and so much, they believed that it was such a good movie the studios did that they actually offered to pay for your ticket if you didn't like it huh and um but again movie Movie studios are in this to make money, and that's yeah. that's fair. That's their business. They're in the business of making money. Uh, part of that is designing a movie to have multiple revenue streams other than box office receipts. One of those things is toys. One of those things is video game merchandise and multiple other streams of, of merchandise. So yeah. I was actually reading an article earlier today about when, um, just to make a long story short, action figures began to rise in the 80s, And one of the things that uh, came from that was they realized that um, Star Wars toys were selling like crazy. That was actually earlier. It was uh, in the 70s. But the idea is movie theaters were selling out of this movie, and then they came out with the toys, and they were vastly underproduced Mm -hmm. because people didn't expect them to be so popular. In, In turn... The toys were selling out constantly. And then studios were like, hey, why don't we do this on purpose? Put things in the movies that we can make into toys. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of started happening. And now it is a well-oiled machine of you see what's going to be in the movie before you see the movie because there's toys up.
0: There. Right, yeah.
1: You know, and. um It's like G.I. Joe. Just like G.I. Joe. Just like Spider-Man 3. We saw Venom. Yeah. I saw a picture of Venom on the side of a Walmart aisle. As big as me when I saw the toys, and that was maybe weeks before the movie was out, and Venom's identity and his look was supposed to be under wraps. Not his identity, but his, his appearance in the film. Right. So to me, I like the idea that this film was made, yes, to make money, of course. That's why people put their money in to finance the movie. However, the primary goal was make a good movie. Yeah. That's what we're going to do. We're going to make a good movie. Now, here's a Mm -hmm. question for you. Do you think that as a result, that if they came out with merchandise later, that people would have a different affinity towards it and still buy it? Like if you saw a no prawns sign, like a no parking sign size Mm -hmm. with that on there, would you be like, oh, and, and pick that up?
0: I wouldn't, but I'm sure somebody would. I'm sure, I mean, if they came out with merchandise, I'm sure people would buy it.
1: Do you you feel that, and I know there's no way to judge this, it's just sheer guesses, but do you think that that is, because I guess my hypothesis is that if you release something that people love, that will give them a stronger affinity towards any kind of merchandise. Yeah. Versus trying to build merchandise that you think people will love. Like, oh, we need this in there. People will buy it. Kids will buy it. It's like, yeah, okay, do it for the money. But I think that people are willing to spend more money on something that they truly love than just happenstance that their kid thinks it's neat and they want to buy it for their kid.
0: Yeah. You know? So I don't know. Do you think it makes it more of a special thing if it doesn't have all that merchandise with it? Um, I would say,
1: for in my opinion, yes. Mm-hmm. Because I think that the 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 thing that i would use to like point what brings me to that conclusion is my love for the anime Trigun mm-hmm. and how when we found that it was pretty pretty popular it wasn't widely popular but it was it wasn't like underground or anything yeah um and it was kind of tough to find those toys but we hunted yeah. them down and we wanted them bad <laughs> yeah. but because we loved it and to me it made it more special because we even had like, we went to the, the Oriental shop uh, on Colonial Drive down here where we live in Florida. And we went to that place which gets tons of imports. And we bought the Japanese versions of those figures, which weren't cheap. <laughs> but it was one of the only places we could find them. But we drove all the way down there and spent the money because we loved it. And to me, it made it more special that there wasn't tri merchandise just everywhere. I was like, oh, wow, I have this. Well, that and was like
0: one thing. Right. What if it was on you know collectors cups and t-shirts and that's my point i i think it every made it, other thing exactly that's you know, prior party decorations right for kids
1: i think that is um that's what i'm saying is that i agree i think it made it more special that that toy was the only thing we could oh, find okay i see like like we it, couldn't find shirts i mean if they came decoration. out
0: with a figure a nice quality figure of one of the aliens i would i would want that yeah but I, I just don't like seeing all this other like junk that they make, right? And it's just a cup. The only thing different about it is it's printed on it. District Nine. It's yeah, it's nothing special. It's just
1: a cup, right? Now there's a school of thought that says that there are two ways to think of that. You can either limit the production of the cup, yeah, or make it <clears throat> make your merchandise like you're saying, like unique and special to something that is um, worthy of, of holding the license. Like, if you're talking about District 9, mm-hmm. something that you would think would be like, oh, that is awesome. Like, and it could be the the smallest, strangest thing. Like, in the film, Vickers cuts off one of his fingers. Mm-hmm. How interesting would it be if there was just, like, this strange, like, Vickers thumb in a bag in in, uh, in, in a multinational corporation or mnc or mnu or whatever it was in a baggie that like the one he had Mm -hmm. and it was his thumb and it looked bloodied (laughs) that would be cool i think that that'd be like oh wow that reminds you of the movie and it's not just stamped on everything Mm -hmm. it's very unique to the movie yeah so you know like you're saying maybe instead of just mass producing like like the band kiss who they'll put their name on anything and it's made them a lot of money and i don't disagree with that business model but there's something special about finding a piece of merchandise for a band that you love that you didn't realize made merchandise. Yeah. You're like, oh my gosh, this is really neat to me. And not just a t-shirt,
0: but like something like a guitar pick or,
1: you know, something like
0: that. It almost seems like um, when it's when it's on everything and there's so much merchandise, so much different merchandise for something, it, it's, it makes it worthless.
1: Yeah. I mean, think about it. That's a principle of... Uh, you know, even our monetary system. Gold is rare. It's precious. That's what we based our economy on. Diamonds are rare. That's what makes them so expensive. Mm -hmm. And, and, well, you know, other attributes in addition to that. But one of the main things is the rarity. Um, Look at baseball cards and look at, um, you know, antiques. It's Mm -hmm. the rarity that makes them special. And I think part of that also comes from the inborn human trait to want to express oneself and want to express oneself independently. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I think that as people um, look at a MySpace page, and I've I've said this kind of thing before, people don't just want to have the same template as everybody else. They want to have this, this cool one that no one's ever seen before, and then they want to go check out my MySpace.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And it's like, wow, where'd you get that? It's like this badge of uniqueness that you're the only one with it. Mm-hmm. Um, an example of that is... You can download tons of templates for websites and blogs, but there are websites uh that make those templates available that allow you to purchase that template, which means no one else can download it, just you oh. it costs anywhere from five hundred to a thousand dollars okay versus free, yeah, but that's the cost of uniqueness that's mm. the cost of one in existence, you mm-hmm. know so yeah i I think you're right, I think it does make it less. Uh, have less worth, but then there's a but here let me ask you this question does this is this just for movie properties? because let's say you you know flashback ten years ago and I want to have a batman themed birthday party it's cool to me that I can go out and get a bunch of batman themed birthday party stuff hmm. You know what I mean? I think like that's different though No, I think so too. I, that's why I just wanted to see if you yeah. agreed with me on that. Oh, that yeah. those are more cultural icons right that have you know matured, grown and spanned generations, whereas mm-hmm. this now it seems like they're trying to create a Star Wars marketing giant with every movie. Yeah yeah mm-hmm. and again, I think it goes back to money. Um, I think again, I understand that that filmmakers are in the business of making films for a profit, and that is awesome to me. And I will pay them for their products, um, but I think also too that you know using a little bit of adjudication, using a little bit of um, you know just good judgment and um, figuring which which properties would be best served with larger marketing lines, and which ones like this movie, where honestly I didn't see anything about it until a few weeks ago. Started seeing trailers yeah. and things and it was like oh, okay cool.
0: I mean apparently there was a big uh like viral marketing campaign oh, for really? this movie, but I,
1: at the San Diego Comic Con maybe or
0: maybe there, but I think online too, but I just wasn't aware of any me of it.
1: either. Totally
0: missed it. But but I'm glad that I did too. miss it because Me too. I
1: uh me too.
0: You know, and I was just thinking, um I kinda got the same feeling from this movie as I get when I read a good book yeah it's just a good complete feeling right it felt very much like a book just like a book i don't want to see a bunch of merchandise and everything for it no yeah usually you don't have that with a book you just have here's the book you read it and that's it and it's kind of like personal and special to you
1: yeah that's that's a good way of putting it yeah yeah that's a good way of putting it that the experience is more encapsulated to you personally yeah yeah i agree with that and um, it did feel very much like a book. And I think that is. That has to do with a lot of things. But mostly, again, it's that it felt like a good science fiction story. Almost mm-hmm. like a short story. Yeah. Even though it was movie length. I think that books that are made into movies, you have to cut things out. Short stories mm-hmm. that are made yeah. into the movies, they usually adapt them so much to film that you lose the essence of the short story like how it, like you're saying how it feels when you're reading it and it's in your hands mm-hmm. um i think that what they chose to do with the structure and the characters and the way that it was acted uh the pacing everything about it felt very much like a written story mm-hmm. like a short story that i would find kind of um hidden away in a um <sighs> like a sci-fi anthology yeah you know as i'm flipping through and you know, the first page of the story says District 9, and then halfway down the page is the first paragraph saying, Vickers, you know, Vendor Quemp, or whatever his last name was, you know, snugly affixes his microphone as he says. Yeah. Like, that's how it's, it's, like, and then I'd flip through it, and it would be like a 40 or 50-page story.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, because it was real sharp. We didn't see anything we didn't need to see. Yeah. You know, it was just yeah, moved from exactly. scene to scene to scene. There was no fat on it, completely
0: trimmed. But yeah, that's what I liked. Yeah, it was really good. What role did uh, Peter Jackson have with this film?
1: Um, I, I saw didn't... his
0: name on it, and I, I was thinking that he was the director until you know I read who the director was, and he I, he wasn't mentioned as a writer. I don't think on it. Did he produce it?
1: Mm, I, I can't say yes or no to that. Other than if you've ever seen a uh, something like, did you see Jet Li's uh, Fearless? I believe it? no. No. Jet Lee's I believe it's fearless um but the idea is that a um someone like Peter Jackson or in that case Quentin Tarantino who is associated with films that people really love they are helping to distribute it is my understanding oh, and the idea is that they have and from I don't know what point in the development process but they have uh grown fond of the project and made sure Mm. that it got distribution on a mass level. So that's why it's Peter Jackson Presents. Yeah, yeah. um, So that his name's attached to it. It's his stamp of approval, number one. And then number two, I believe that he helped along the way to take a $30 million movie and distribute it worldwide. Mm -hmm. And in the same way Jet Li's Fearless, um, Quentin Tarantino, made it possible for it to be distributed in in the United States subtitled. Mm -hmm. Now, again, I'm I'm a bit ignorant of that. I'll have to read up on it as to what role they play. But I've seen that done before. Like Steven Spielberg presents. Tim Burton presents. Mm, Like, you know, these things where it's like, it's almost like they serve as a...
0: They're just like endorsing it. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: And I think most of the times they have a producing credit involved in that. Whether Mm -hmm. it's executive producing or what have you. They're involved in the process, but they're trusting of the people who are creating the piece. And then at the end, they might give... Well, you know, throughout the process, they might give advice and, and help... Now, way to workshop the people who made the CG. Peter Jackson owns that. It's Mm. Peter Jackson's, uh, you know, equivalent to George Lucas's um, Skywalker Ranch. Yeah. And his uh, Industrial Light and Magic. Mm. So, I don't know. I'd be interested to read up on that. But I know Peter Jackson helped do the effects for it. Mm. So, you know, there's there's that level of involvement, definitely.
0: I think... Are Peter Jackson and, and that director working on the Halo movie?
1: I have no idea. I heard that that died. Mm. I heard that that wasn't going to happen.
0: Mm. So I can look that up too. But I, I heard that died. So how much money do you think this is going to make?
1: I think it's going to make over $100 million. Yeah? I think by word of mouth. I think you're going to have the people who, like, I'm telling everybody that I know to see it. Mm -hmm. I'm like, yeah, it's remarkable, you need to go see it. It's not like, yeah, it was pretty cool. Like, G.I. Joe, I'm telling people, I don't know, (laughs) do you like G.I. Joe? Because it was pretty cool. I mean, it was fun. It was better than I thought it was going to be. There (laughs) were some cool elements to G.I. Joe. It surprised me. It's like, oh, cool. It was fun. I didn't walk out of there thinking, oh, come on. I was like, all right. You know, but District 9, I'm like, you got to go see it. This is an event movie. It's not a huge event movie, but it's one of those movies where I like the idea that when I go and see this I want to be able to look back and go, Oh, remember when District Nine came out? Man, there hasn't been a movie like that in a
0: while. Do you think it could be another dark Knight? I don't believe so. Or it makes that much money? I don't believe so. No? No, I don't think it has that much mass appeal. Hmm.
1: Unfortunately there are gonna um, be a lot of people who at the other there are gonna be a lot of people who don't really like it as much as we do. It's very much up our alley. Yeah. It's like at the corner of Jason and Tim, you know. <laughs> but the other thing you got to remember is that there were a lot mm. of people who I know who told me they went and saw The Dark Knight three and four times. Yeah, I even I saw it three times with different people.
0: Because I was just thinking, this movie made me feel the same way as The Dark Knight did. Like I came out feeling like I okay, I just saw a really good movie. Yeah, like really great. Yes, amazing film. Yep, <laughs> I agree up to the end baby I mean we saw other we've seen other good movies like Drag Me to Hell was the last movie I saw in the theater I think I think and that was good but it didn't give me that feeling like oh no feeling so great when I come out because it was just so amazing right
1: yeah yeah no I I, but I again I I just don't think it has the mass appeal and the I don't think it's going to have as many now moviegoers just
0: follow me on this
1: Uh, here I come just listen
0: following you the sequel, we're going to have Batman go there. I like it. The aliens come back, and Batman <laughs> Batman meets them there.
1: Oh, you know what? <laughs> no, better, okay? Listen, <laughs> the ship
0: comes we're gonna, back. We're going to make the money on this. Uh, that, we, that needs to be made.
1: It's better than Batgirl. Lindsay Lohan is Batgirl. Well, excuse me? You showed me an, an article saying that they were talking to her about being Batgirl. <laughs> or no, Hannah Montana. Which one was it? I don't remember. It, it was on a an RSS it feed. Sounds that you pretty awful me. to me, though. Yeah, it yeah. was. It was on our, in an RSS feed you showed me. It was like, it was, I, well, I believe you. I just,
0: I guess, I put it out of my mind. It I was like
1: know. Miley Cyrus and talks as Batgirl, and I'm like, oh boy. But no, here, this is what you do. Perfect idea. You're right. We need to involve Batman in this. Yeah. Riddle me this. What if the ship, when it comes back, lands over Gotham? So now hey. you've got now you've got Gotham City these. Dark gargoyle infused like edifices of buildings, and then a, a, above it, atop it all, the bat signal is shining onto the mothership. Yeah,
0: let's see, now you got it. Okay, there you, you have go. ever crossover. It's called District Gotham. It'll be in, uh, yeah, it'll be in comic book form. Okay, you know, it. I've seen crazier. Well, listen, I've seen crossovers in comics before. Yeah, that's and... what I mean.
1: I've seen crazier crossovers, Superman not... and aliens yeah you know
0: um batman and it's Predator. not out of the realm of possibility
1: no it's not Do you and think it's funny cause it no was it well because of the properties i think that warner brothers owns listen batman. listen
0: listen don't worry about that <laughs> okay
1: and then uh who was this oh man i can't remember the movie studio right now columbia tristar mm. they have the oh. pegasus mascot They won't work
0: out any kind of deal. They might, sure. That video quality was amazing. Yeah, in the theater? Yeah.
1: Yeah, I was really surprised. Most digital screens, I can see pixels. Yeah. But when they started even showing just the bumpers, like the stuff at the beginning, I was like, "Whoa, that's extremely
0: clear. It's weird watching films now without all the little black square lines and stuff, the popping and stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's not that I noticed it, but thinking about it, it's like, hmm. It's kind of strange so it's just it's been with us our whole lives that, yeah that kind I agree of let me
1: let me paint you this picture our children <laughs> a picture. might not even ever know that they might not ever know what it is like well I'm sure to have black hear lines. about it cause... not for me I'm not gonna be that dad you know back when I was a boy
0: oh I totally will
1: we sat in the movie houses
0: <laughs> and in the movie houses there were black squiggly lines <laughs> i will totally be like that old man jason i know i know it i am gonna be like listen when we used to go to the theater there'd be black lines little squiggly things on the picture they'll be like what are you talking about dad
1: what do you mean you actually went to the theater you didn't have your, like you know, your regal cinema goggles <laughs> like no we actually went to the actual brick and mortar building it's like, uh, you didn't have your virtual home theater installed in your eyes? <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> but, um, you know, totally forgot what I was going to say. Hmm. Oh, man. I was go- Oh, Alex Darnell, my good friend of both of ours, said that we are old men. My good friend of both of ours? I thought I said a very good friend of both of ours. Oh, maybe. Oh, well, my good friend of both of ours, <laughs> Alex said that we were old men because we play Scrabble with each other on our iPhones. He goes, you're an old man, you know that. And I go, yeah. He goes, all right, just as long as you know. You know I'm fine with that. Oh, no, me too. I think it's funny.
0: I-, I don't think that's like an old man thing. It's more of a geek thing that we're playing it, which is perfect for this podcast. Can I just tell you that I love the mech in the movie? I can tell
1: you. No, yes, you can tell me that, firstly. And well, secondly, I did tell you. You now. did. And then I will tell you that I completely agree with you. Why did you love it?
0: Because uh, it was awesome. It was awesome.
1: <laughs> More specifically. I, I could not wait for him to get in that
0: thing. I wasn't sure if it was going to be him or Christopher. Well, he was right next to it, so. Oh, you mean at that point. No yeah. see, Okay. Oh, so you were figuring somebody was going to get in it at well, some point and you didn't know if it was going to be him or Christopher.
1: Yes, and the only thing that I was disappointed about regarding the advertisings, the advertising and the um like the promotions that I saw for the film were that in the trailer it shows the mech grabbing the rocket out of the sky. Yeah. So I knew that was going to happen cool i understand why they showed that because people are like whoa there's not just aliens there's a mech so i was trying to figure out if it was going to be vicar or christopher in the mech right the whole time after i saw it
0: i see that stuff in advertising too in commercials and stuff like things that could kind of be like spoiler ish but while i'm watching the movie i'm so like absorbed absorbed in it that I don't even think about that stuff. Yeah. So when he caught the missile, I was like, ah, oh, and I wasn't even thinking of the commercial or anything. I, I wasn't expecting it. I was just...
1: Yeah, I, I had the exact opposite. I knew it was going to happen, and when the camera went to that view, I was like, okay, here it comes. Yeah. When, actually, when the military villain grabbed the rocket launcher, I thought, oh, here comes the oh, missile grab yeah, scene. Yeah, I know. And, yeah, you know, nah, it's so silly of me, but mm-hmm. I just... I. I wish there was a perfect way to tell me about a movie without revealing anything. (laughs) I know it sounds ridiculous, (laughs) but like I'm, I'm currently, I'm reading a book right now. Uh, the book, the book is called the rising. Um, and it is actually about, uh, zombies, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it has some cool twists in it. Um, you remember in, in the first episode when I was like, we were talking about the zombie land trailer and I was saying how, man, I just wish there was something else to it. This book has something else to it. Um, Anyway, the reason why I I was thinking of it just now is because I usually don't read the backs of books. I'll usually read books on word of mouth. People say, you should read this. You'd like it. Or a reviewer will say, yeah, you should read this, you know. But I don't typically like reading the back of the book because then I know little things that are treats for me inside the book. Oh, little treats. Little treats. And so the book was sitting on, I was at my girlfriend's house, and it was to the left of me. I was on her laptop, and I had just happened to set it down with the back facing me. Mm -hmm. And in this instance, my eye caught a paragraph, and just because it's what naturally happened, I read the paragraph. Not the whole thing, but the first sentence. And the first sentence had part of the synopsis, So it talked about a character that the main character was going to meet. Mm -hmm. And I was so sad (laughs) because I love the fact that right now I'm reading this book and I have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. And that took, it took one little element of that sense of having no idea like what's going to happen next. And it, it put a little marker somewhere in the blackness. It's like having fog of war in a video game, like real time strategy and then you have that one little drop where you can see the enemy's base. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or even just a part of the terrain. You're like, I don't want to see that in yeah. a book. I want to see it in a real-time <laughs> strategy game. I want to see your whole map. Yeah. But um, I wish there was a perfect way to tell me about movies without me knowing anything about them. But that's silly. I can't have that, I guess. Unless yeah. something like this comes along where I have an opportunity to see it beforehand before it gets massively popular. Or... If I miss the boat completely and see an older movie that I've never seen, you know, but I wish there was a perfect delivery method to show me new movies without revealing anything. It's silly, but I wish.
0: So anyway, that mech did some damage. Didn't it?
1: <laughs> that mech was awesome because I love that the, I like the design of it. Yes. That's where I was going. Yes. It had even the wires on the front that yeah. mimic the prawn, and it just mm-hmm. makes sense. You know, we, we we create machinery in our own image. I mean, that, look yeah. at look at robots; they're humanoid. So why wouldn't a prawn mech be prawnoid?
0: <laughs> I like how it was kind of attached. Prawnish. I guess to his vitals, to his.
1: It looked like it, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like
0: I... the mech was being damaged, so he was too. Yeah, that's what it looked like. Yeah, you know, and that's I. Love... I thought the mech was going to be indestructible. Me too. I didn't think they were going to be able to take it down. Yeah, but I like that
1: it was destructible, mm-hmm. and I also mm-hmm. like the fact that they didn't go into great detail to show one way or the other whether it was truly attacking his vitals or not. You could tell yeah. he was being damaged. Was it because he was being shaken by the, you know, the percussive force of bullets? Just... I love that they didn't describe every little thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just kind of were like, oh, okay, that's working. yeah,
0: we're just assuming.
1: Yeah, and I love that, though, because you have your own version, and I have my own version, like, in our own minds, and I think that's the other thing that made it feel more like a book. Is it books...
0: Because they're not explaining things to us, so we're coming up with our own explanations. Right. Yeah, I think that's that's pretty much it. There's not the what is
1: often called the info dump or the exposition speech. Why
0: can't more movies be like that?
1: I don't know. Uh, honestly, I just, I, I think because, and I, I don't mean this in a rude way, but I think that there's a certain demographic of people who want them to have um, more ambiguous things where we want to come up with our own stuff because we are, we, we like that. And then there are other people who are like, I didn't come to see a movie to come up with my own stuff. Hmm. Tell me what it's like. Tell me how it is. Now, you can call that spoon feeding.
0: Well, okay, that's fine. And most movies, you do find out everything. So, I would agree. Why not have more where you don't? I'm, I'm with you. Have, there's room for all of them. I'm with kinds. you. I'm with you. Wouldn't with it be it. cool to see if this was like if they did a Half-Life movie like this? Like just picture seeing the Striders in the background. Oh yeah, walking, and then those um, very those much flying vehicles. I can't remember what they're called, but the Combine. Yeah, yeah, vehicles. yeah.
1: I know exactly what you mean. It would. Oh, it it would remind so me awesome. very much of District Nine.
0: Yeah. Um. So, hold yeah. on. Tell me what you think of this. Um. Like what is your interpretation of this if you remember it there was this one lady and she was it was like a news interview with her she was talking about the aliens and there was an alien in the background just directly behind her digging through garbage yeah do you remember that yes i do and she was talking about how the aliens attack people and they steal their your clothes they steal your cell phone i think she said yeah just talking about that they're very like violent and wild and there's one behind her that's just tame it's just digging through the garbage like scavenging exactly and that's exactly what i took from it was that people are just creating yes these
1: things boogeyman stories generalized statements um say what you need to say to get them out of here yeah racism bigotry yeah you know there's one behind her digging through garbage not attacking her or the cameraman yeah yeah and she's like it yeah it's vile it's yeah, so, right yeah. I, yeah I think that's, that's what, it what is. i thought too yeah so well um that's you, the end <laughs> that is the end and uh again this was our pseudo review of district nine um tell us what you thought you can email us at multi show at com. um Or you can leave comments on the blog. But thanks for listening. And we'll talk at you soon. This is the Multi Geek Show Podcast Supplementary Episode 1. It is actually our full spoiler-filled review of District 9. And if you have not seen District 9, just uh, you can continue to listen. But be warned that we're going to talk in-depth about a lot of the aspects of the film, including plot, character, setting, uh, things that you might not want to hear from us until you've seen the movie. So, sit back, relax, and uh, hear our take. We just saw a screener of it last night. Uh, This podcast is being recorded uh, August 14th, 2009, and we just saw the screener on August 13th. So, sit back and enjoy.